Happy Mother's Day. Yes. Where would we be without our moms? Nowhere. Nowhere. Hey, let's pray a special prayer and blessing together for our moms as we open up God's word together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blue sky. We thank you for the sunshine, for the flowers that are blooming. We thank you for our moms, the blessing they are, the hard work, the sacrifice. And God, I know not all of us here had great moms, and Lord, I thank you that we can also learn through contrast to become who you have made us to be. God, speak to us as we open up your word. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the past several weeks, I've had uh, a lot of conversations with moms and dads and prospective moms, really, about what's going on in our world today. A lot of people in our country feel a, a sense of anxiety, a sense of worry and, and outright fear about what's happening, not just around the world, but in the culture in which we live in right now. That's just the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times that you and I live in. A lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation about what might happen in the future. So the good news is about that, if you can find the good news, the good news is we're not alone. We're not alone. And when we open the Word of God, you have to realize that almost every single book, okay, every single book in the New Testament was written during a time of great uncertainty, persecution, and a massive amount of pain. So all the verses that we like, all the passages and promises and t-shirts we make, out of all these great and wonderful verses in the New Testament were written during a time of great cultural upheaval. So we're not alone. We're not alone. And today I want to talk to you about a verse uh, that, or a truth or a promise that I go to in my life. When things are confusing, when things are chaotic, when I'm worried or concerned about what's happening what will happen in the future, and there are a lot of uncertainties, things that simply don't make sense, I turn to this passage, I turn to this verse time and time again in my life. We'll get there in a few minutes. Right now, let's turn to Romans 8, verse 31. We have been in a series called the GOAT, the greatest of all time. We believe that Romans 8 may be the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. Where do we go to? Where do we turn to in times like these? Look at this passage. It says in Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God's for us, who or what can be against us? Now, many years ago, I guess when I was a kid, I developed a bad habit, almost an addiction. And that is when I would come to church and sit there in the pews back in the day, 
I would listen to these hymns in my mind as people were singing them, and I would look around the congregation, and I would find myself critiquing these hymns and what they said. For example, one that I heard a lot growing up was the song, I Surrender All. How many of you ever heard the song, I Surrender All? Yeah. All to Jesus, I surrender him, I freely have. It's kind of dirgy, you know, I surrender all. And the, and the people would echo, I surrender all, right? I surrender all. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not true. I look around, no one here is surrendering all. I'm not. I mean, I might in church and I give it back by the time I'm in the parking lot, right? So I thought of a better way that, that the hymn writer could, could have phrased that. It's not I surrender all, but I surrender one-tenth. Right? I surrender a tenth. I sur anyway, I didn't like that one. Another one that I critique, I still critique. We sing it at 9.30 at Easter, every Easter, right? It's the big Easter hymn. Horrible theology. Horrible. I know you're hating me today. I feel it's okay. I said it's a problem. It's an addiction. I didn't say it's right. You're saying, what is the Easter one that's so horrible? It's um, He Lives. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. That is not biblical. It's not, now Christ, I hope Christ does live in your heart. That's not the point. But when you ask Paul that question, Paul, how do you, how do you know that Christ is alive and the resurrection is true? He didn't say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, he just lives within my heart. It's just an emotional kind of thing. Who cares if it really happened or not? But I know it didn't sound good, you know. Ask me how I know he lives. He lives because of the historical bodily resurrection of Christ from the eyewitnesses. It doesn't sound good. I get that. But it's about theology. So today, contemporary courses, like we sing one in here, that I like, it's really biblical. It's based upon this passage in Romans eight. It goes like, you know, if God is for us, then who can stand against or what can stand against? You know, da -na 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 -na. you know that one we sing? It's a good one. That's, the theology is good in that. But like I said, because of my addiction, when the line goes, what can stand against? I say in my mind, a whole lot of stuff can stand against. And as I stand here singing the song in 1111, I'm thinking of all the things that I feel like or in reality are kind of against me and pushing back. So as I look at this first verse in our passage today, what can stand against? A lot can stand against us, right? I mean, if we had time, and we don't, don't panic guys, but if we had time, if we had time, we could all stand up here and say, hey, let me tell you what's pushing back against me today. My job, the conflicts, the problems that I'm facing at work, I feel like are against me right now. Others could say, hey, my finances are against me right now. Some of us could say, man, my teachers or my coach is against me right now. It feels like my family they're against me right now. Or my kids, one of my kids, he's against me right now. 
Maybe you're battling something, an illness, you're fighting it, and you're saying, man, that feels like that illness is against me right now. Maybe it feels like life in general is simply against you. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that something is against you? Maybe it's those conversations I mentioned earlier about this culture of chaos and this psychotic culture that we live in. Maybe you feel like it is against you, pushing back. But in the midst of it, in the midst of all these things that are against you, God's promise in God's word tells us today that God is for you. God's for you. The creator God of the universe, this God is for you. The omniscient, omnipotent, resplendent, majestic God is for you. The one who spoke this universe into reality, the one who breathed life into your soul and your lungs is for you. This God who sent his son to live and die in your place to adopt you into his family that you may call him Abba, Father, Daddy, God. This God is for you. And in the midst of the pushback, in the midst of the many things that may be against you and against me right now, this God is still for us. And that's good news on this Mother's Day 2022. When it feels like life's against us. God's still for us. When life really is against us, God is still for us. Think about the story. There's so many great stories about courageous moms in the Bible. And one of the stories I think about is in the book of Exodus where this mother was living in Egypt. She was Hebrew and she was a slave in Egypt. And during this time, the Pharaoh put out an edict that every Hebrew baby boy that was to be born was to be killed and slaughtered. But this mother had a baby boy and somehow she not, did not allow someone to come in and kill the child. And she hid this boy for weeks and months. And finally, when this baby boy was only three months old, this mother realized they're going to catch her. They're going to find the boy and, and kill him, kill this baby boy. And so this mother had an idea. She had a plan. She made this basket kind of like a little boat or a small canoe, and she placed her baby boy in the basket, placed him into the Nile River. So when this baby little baby boat and boy would float down the river. She knew that the Pharaoh's daughter often went to this certain spot and it was her prayer and hope that this daughter of the Pharaoh, of the king, would find the boy and raise him. 
But she had to take her child, her son, and let him go and place him in the river and surrender and place him in God's hands. As the story goes, the baby boy floated down the river and Pharaoh's daughter did catch the basket and pick up the baby boy. And this baby Hebrew boy who was born a slave grew up in the palace of Pharaoh himself. And one day, when the boy became a man, God called him to release his people from captivity and slavery. And of course, the boy's name was Moses. And God used Moses to set his people free. Why? Because Moses' mom, Jochebed, knew <laughs> that life and everything in Egypt was against her and against her people, but she trusted in that moment that God was still good and God was still for her and for her child, and she let him go. And God used Moses to change the world. Even when life is against us, God is still for us. And whatever you're going through right now, I want you to know, no matter how much you see, no matter what you are feeling right now, no matter how bleak and dark the future may look to you, listen, God is still for you. And as Jochebed, that mom of Moses, hung on to that promise, you can hang on to that promise today. You say, well, how do you know? How do we still know that God is still for us? Well, let me share the verse that I mentioned earlier that I turn to time and time again. When things look cloudy, when things are uncertain, when I don't know what the future holds, I, I turn to this first. When I'm in a situation that's a quagmire, that's complex, I can't figure out, I turn to this verse in Romans 8, 32. Maybe my favorite verse in the entire Bible. Let me read it for you. He writes, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things. Here's the logic. I may not understand what's going on in my life right now. You may not understand the forces and pressures that are against you. You may not know how they're gonna turn out. You may be wondering, where is God in all this? This promise tells us that no matter what's going on in our life, we can still know that God is for us. How do we know that? Based upon what? Based upon the fact that God loved us and cared for us so much that he was willing to let go of his son. His son laid his life down for us that we might have life. And if God loves me that much, God cares about me that much, God has such a tenacious love for me by sending his son to die and to rise again in my place, then I'm gonna trust him with what's going on in my life and my world right now. And I'm gonna face all the pushback and face all the things that are against me with confidence and with courage because I know, I know, I know that God, my God is still for me. 
He didn't spare his only son. How will he not also give us all things? So listen, when life is against us, God's still for us. And when life's against us, God is still gracious. He is gracious. He's gracious. And I break the word down gracious to mean grace to us. Because he gave his son for us, you want evidence, you want a reason to trust and to believe in God. He gave his son, therefore he will freely grace us, graciously give us all things. All things. Which basically means God gives us what we need when we need it. Not what we want. Many times God does not give us what we want. He doesn't give us what we want. God says no many times to our prayers. He says no. Sometimes God says wait, but God will always give us what we need when, when, when we need it. That's daily grace. That makes sense? Daily. We talk a lot about grace. We sing a lot about grace. In church, grace is great. The forgiveness of God. God makes me his son or a daughter. I'm accepted because of God's grace, the blood of Christ, the forgiveness, the redemption, God's grace. But there's also this empowering grace. This empowering grace that we turn to God for daily to make it through our day, to face the pushback and the things that are against us. We, we turn to God. And we receive that grace one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. And we're thankful and we're, we're, we're gracious and we have show gratitude to God for his grace in our life. I've been really kind of thinking about this verse for couple of months now just kind of meditating on the reality the promise maybe the power that God is for us God's for you it's not good news God is for you God is for your growth God it's for your perseverance and your endurance to make it through whatever season you're in. God is for you. God's for you to let go of some of that bitterness and unforgiveness that's in your heart and life right now that you feel like you cannot let go. God is for you in letting that go and releasing it to him. God is for you to grow in a deeper understanding and knowledge of his personal love for you. God is for you. God is for you as you're seeking wisdom about the problems and challenges at your work and at home. He is for you to give you the wisdom that you need when you need it. God, the creator God, the almighty God, the all-knowing God is for you. He's for you. Yes, you can clap about that. Yes, you can clap. I will clap. 
He's for you in your doubts. He's for you in your questioning. He's for you in whatever you're trying to be released from, you feel like you're enslaved to and addicted to. He's for releasing you that you might have freedom. He is for you in that situation. God is, he's for you. He's for you. When it feels like life is against us, God's still for us. When it feels like life is against us, God's still gracious. He gives grace, empowering grace to us, to us. So we keep turning to the God who is for us. In the midst of the pushback of life, I'm gonna turn to the God who's, who's for us. In the midst of not understanding and the uncertainties of the future, I'm going to trust in the God who's for us. You see, the problem is when we start getting spinning out of control, when we start freaking out about a future that hasn't happened yet, but we start planning out the worst case scenario of how life is going to utterly explode and it's going to be an utter catastrophe. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. That's okay. I'll preach to myself. But when we do that, I do that, what are we doing? I'm factoring the future without factoring in the enabling grace of God. I'm thinking about the future and maybe life will explode. Maybe things will go, hey, 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 haywire. But in the midst of that, God is gonna give me and give you the daily grace and the daily strength to meet that need. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? God's not just in our present, but God will provide for us in our future as well. I need that. Because sometimes I get freaked out about the future. Again, maybe I'm the only one. That's okay. That's okay. God's with us. Yesterday, a friend of mine texted me, a good friend, and said, hey, thinking about your mom this weekend, Mother's Day, your mom was the goat, my mom. My mom passed away about five years ago. She was the goat. She, she, she was the goat of moms. I, there's some great moms in here, I know, we're biased, but my mom was a, was a great lady. She was a great lady. She was a godly lady. And I mean, first of all, she had to raise three boys, right? Three boys, raise three boys. That's just, you know, that's just difficult, okay? She had to live with my dad for over 50 years. That's a lot of Fox News, friends. So, and third, you know, she's had to go on that crazy roller coaster ride of what it's like to be the preacher's wife, right? And all the problems and gossip and slander and Wonderful things that happen at church. No, I mean, you know, seriously, all the, I mean, think about it. All the New Testament really is Paul writing letters to these churches that had problems and challenges. So my mom was able to really navigate those, those rough waters of ministry. And the way she did it was in a very, in a sense, non-religious non-flashy way. She simply daily 
turn to the God who was for her. No matter what craziness was going on in our family, she would daily turn to the God who was for her. She would get up every morning and have her coffee and read the Bible and pray and release and turn those things over to God day after day after day after day. No fanfare, no spotlight, no hype. Just consistently grinding it out, trusting in the God who she still believed was for her and for her family and for this church, regardless of the pushback. And that's the legacy. That's the legacy she left to me, my brothers, our kids, our family, and also to those of us who knew her in this church. A life of continually turning to the God that is for us.